What's up, everybody, and welcome back to On the Bluff. Last week, it was the Gabe Coon Show. Welcome back to you. Welcome back to you. You said welcome back to everybody else. Welcome back to uh, Christian Fowler. I'm going to be rusty this week, I think. No, you're good. I'm going to have to shake it off. It's been a minute. You got the Cowboys hat. Is that new? I had it on two weeks ago. Okay. All right. (laughs) I don't pay attention. Clearly not. Yeah. Never been a hat guy, but I think I'm I think I'm coming around to it. I think I'm like, coming into my. Is it, don't my they hat. call those? Aren't those like pickleball hats, like with the little string on them? Maybe I'm dead wrong. Don't you know. don't know? No, you have no idea. No, I don't know what the rope is for exactly, but you you left on like the lightest. Besides the Michael Orr stuff and everything else, you left on one of the lightest news weeks of the entire summer. And you still win an hour and ten minutes, which. Means either That's because I just talk. It means either I'm one of two things. You're a consummate pro. That's true. Or you talk way too much. Can both be true <laughs> yeah, at the same I guess, time? I, guess, I, I think, but like, that's what I think it is. I think it I, could be. I just spitball until I come up with something. Did you have more fun without me? No. Okay. No, man. I missed you. Okay. I missed, I missed you. you Kenny missed you the most. Did we he? called you in the middle yeah. of the show. I mean, that's yeah. how much we missed you, bro. Yeah, they did. They tried to get me on the show last week. <laughs> uh, it didn't work. Gabe called me. Gabe also tried to get me to do his show on Tuesday. Yeah. And I did not check my phone for like eight <laughs> hours. I was. It was It was like mid-segment you texted me. And you're like, I just looked at my phone. So yeah, no, I, he, he was not on the show. No, I was not. Um, but he does it spot every Tuesday. You're coming back I on the, the tomorrow. Yes, I will be on tomorrow. Yes, right per usual. The what huge? time is it? Six o'clock? I say as is customary on a Tuesday nice. when I open the show. As is customary, Christian Fowler, yeah, six o'clock. Six o'clock, yeah. But yeah, Gabe called me while I was on the way to dinner with my friends and was like, can you do the show? And I was like, absolutely not. This is the worst time ever. <laughs> Everybody in the car with me was pretty soused up, professing their love for each other. So, <laughs> like, oh, he, what do you mean professing their love? Like, like I love you because... Yeah, like a Thanksgiving table. Like yes. what you're thankful that's what for. What it felt like. What it felt oh, like. That is a hundred. Oh, that's depressing. Like. That's depressing. Yeah, but it happened, and you called right in the middle. Did of you it. have to go? I did go. Okay. Did you? Let's do that with. Hey, let's do that with Gabe and me right now. <laughs> with Gabe and you right now. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it back to you though. Okay, I, then I'm I, not will. Doing it. I'm I will. I will. I'll we'll do say, it. We'll save that for like actual things. Kenny, we, we love you. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it only your took, hot threes are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it only your best took us. best production guy in, nah. the, in the city of Memphis. Where the, where the, in the mid south? Where's the blooper reel? That's what I wanted. To, you'll see. You'll see how bad I am at this. How bad we all are. Truthfully, how bad we all are. Mainly me. Mainly me. Um, but, yeah, it was a dry week last week, so I'm sorry. I couldn't control that. I was on the beach all week. Incredible trip. Had a great time. So <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm ha- happy for you. I'm, I'm super happy. I'm glad you are. Good for you. Yeah, I'm glad you are. That's what good friends do. Happy yeah. for each other and their successes. Yep. Um, but last week might have been dry. So was this week. <laughs> <laughs> great. great. Well, I mean – we have uh, we have some Memphis football about to start up. We have uh, uh, week zero on the way yeah. in college football, and it is I mean God, week zero games suck. There was a good one last year, LSU Florida State. Okay, that's fine, but I'm talking about overall, <laughs> overall, yeah, overall. Just seven. When is games that? Does that start week. this weekend or next weekend? Next this weekend. That's no, this weekend. This weekend. Oh, is it? Look at you, man. You, Dude, you've been gone been a while. Out. Yeah, he's out. When I I've told you guys this, when I go on vacation. I go legitimately off the grid. I do not know what's going on in the real world when I'm on vacation. Yeah. At all. Don't care. My, I got my screen time yesterday. You know, that I, you always yeah. get that on Sunday. It was like 25 minutes a day. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. That's, that actually does feel good. Though. Yeah. Oh, 100%. To not even. Oh God. Like, I brought my phone out on the beach every day. Not you know, see just, Twitter just in case of, Just in case of emergency. Put it in somebody else's bag and just left it there and didn't touch it. What's been your highest that you've gone? Oh, I need oh, to get. I need way to too high. on my phone. Yeah, your highest. Uh, probably like five and a half hours a day or something. I've like been that. at eight. You've been at eight. Yeah. Most of mine though is from like GPS and stuff, like driving around for work yeah. or listening to podcasts and stuff like that. I don't usually ever just like sit there on my phone. Maybe maximum an hour a day. Am I? I'm like a scroller and I'm a phone. prepper for my show via the. Phone. That makes sense. That makes sense. So that's what it is. If I'm on my phone for an extended amount of time. I'm either watching Instagram reels, 
or and then sending them to me and sending them to literally everybody because laughing by yourself is not fun. The more disconnected from your phone are, the more the, the more disconnected from your phone you are, the more connected to reality it 100%. feels like you're, you know, living and, in the present, living in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's either scrolling on Instagram reels or reading Bleacher Report about sports. Yeah. That's like the only time. But yeah, I'm not. I'm an in the moment person. Like all the vacations that I've been on in my life, you can go look at my phone. Maybe ten total pictures. I took one picture this whole week. That's it. Yeah. Like I'm not a. I'm, I'm not. not a, a I'm not a, like a concert phone in the hand guy. If I go to a concert, you will not. Taylor. See my Taylor gets mad at me once. like when I'm with friends or something, and like even my bachelor party. Like not. I don't. Not take. I pictures. don't take. I don't. I, guy, I feel like guys in general don't really think about that. No, I. De- I hundred like. Sporting events, concerts, anything like that, my phone is not coming out of my pocket. Yeah, it's I'm not one of the oh, what's good? Like I, that's a pet. Oh, I'll go there. It's pet a pet peeve. peeve of mine. I do okay. not like that people can't just enjoy a moment. Biggest without having pet their peeve phone. for me is the phone eat for phone eats first per people. I've never taken a picture of my food in my and life. They take a picture of their food at a nice restaurant. Not so. one time ever. That's it's going straight to my work. face. Nasty work. Straight to the face. Yeah, to your face hole. Yeah, right to the face hole. Yeah. Food that is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying you're gonna throw you, so. throw the phone at somebody. I was like, I would Dang. hope so, brother. I yep. would hope so. All right, so uh, I want to I want to open here you because open I find it. this is interesting. Mm-hmm. We have the win together promotion for Memphis football as yep. we're about to open the season, uh, September second against Bethune Cookman, two weeks from now, and the win together promotion is basically sixty dollars on the front end before the Bethune Cookman game, and every time they win. You get a free ticket to the next game until they lose. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know that they have not sold a lot of season tickets since COVID. And honestly, I think in 2017 was the highest they had in a long time. Twenty two and a half season tickets, thousand season tickets they sold that year. And now they're like eleven thousand. So they're doing everything they can to try to get butts in the seats and Why sell 2017, tickets. Twenty seventeen though. Uh, that was that was, after pa- that was the year after Paxton left, right? Yeah, I think so. That's kind of weird. No, no, that was the year after. Uh, that was year two. That was my my senior year. Because year two with, Coon was a senior year two with Mike Norvell. Line. That was year two. That was Riley, was Riley, Ant, Phil Mayhew were the weapons. Chenard was still there. Or Riley's first year. That was the second year. Okay. So th- there was big expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a big year. year. That was a big year. Um, so that was a big high. But now we're at eleven thousand. They're trying to get butts in the seats, and I get it. I think that, that's like, what it's at right now is eleven k. Yeah, and I think there's like some desperation to it. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's almost an acknowledgement from the athletic department of like, we want to give back to our fan base. Yeah. Because the last two years have been relatively disappointing, yeah. and we and we want to get you back out here. And if we're if we're winning at a high level, you'll keep getting free tickets. Yeah. And I mean, I like it because you can you can say desperation, and there may be a touch of that. But at the same time, like. If there is the not it, in a bad way, you no, want no. butts in the seats. Yeah, you want it a hundred percent. And so, instead of not doing anything and just sitting there like this, hoping yes. that something happens, coming up with a cool, creative I, way to do it is the best route to go. Like if you're struggling in that area, coming up with an innovative, cool way to do it, why wouldn't you? I've never seen anyone do this though. I haven't either. And I mean, home schedule is pretty nice. I mean, you're gonna have uh, Bethune Cookman Navy. And then you'll have the two big games, Boise State and Tulane. Right. Right? So, like. They're good games. Hell, like, I mean, you're definitely getting two games off of $60. You could very well get three games off of $60. And that third game, Boise State versus Memphis, that is the group of five game of the week that's going to be nationally televised. Yeah. You're going to be able to watch that one. Uh, so, that, that'll that be a, I mean, if you get that game for free off that $60, Yep. I mean, it would be the equivalent of a $20 ticket if you're paying $60 right. up front. But and the, that's and, pretty damn cool. And that's and a, if, if Memphis wins that game, you get the two-lane game, who could be a nationally ranked team. I mean, like, it's, you it's, know their it's, record. A cool, it's a cool idea. I learned this today, and I, I know you're going to think it's pretty high as well, but, like, guess how many times do you think they've won since 2014 at home? What their record Memphis? is. Yeah. It's like 58 or something 52 like and 9. Yeah. It's so, high. like, the chances of you turning that $60 into several games is very high. Yeah. I think they're what third or fourth in winning percentage. Yeah, they're up there. They're way up there. And I wouldn't count them out. Like, as much as I think Boise State will be a solid team, as much as I think that Tulane will be a solid team and should be picked to win the AAC, I still think at home those are very winnable games. Hundred percent. 
And I'm not trying to be sunshine and rainbows. They're very losable as well. Yeah. But um, uh, Tigers at home, uh, I think talent-wise, they'll be very close to those rosters and yeah. what they possess. It's just about getting it all to work together and what type of coaching job is Ryan Silverfield, Tim Cramsey, Matt Barnes, what, what kind of coaching jobs are they going to turn in? So with less than we're less than two weeks, right? Season yep. start started two weeks from Saturday. So we're less than two weeks from the start of the season. Just taking the temperature and kind of reading the room on fan expectations and just overall excitement for this season, it, it'll just be, you know, call a spade a spade. It's not high. It's not as right high. now. Um it's I mentioned this last week. It's wait and see. It is wait and see. I know the obvious answers to why is it not high. Is there anything deeper that you think goes into this and maybe the lack of excitement for this season? Or do you think it is just the straightforward, just it hasn't been a great team the past two years, maybe on paper they don't look great? Like, is there anything deeper than that, or do you think that's I it? guess you could make the case that realignment and missing out on the party really bothers some fans and – you know, not having a schedule with better opponents could bother fans long term. But no, I, I think it's about winning. And and what if you're the athletic department, even more so than this win together promotion you're doing, like if you're asking yourself what what can we do to yeah. get fans in the stands? Win a couple of those games in the middle of the season. Yeah. Beat Boise State, beat Tulane, beat Mizzou, do something like that. Fan base will start turning back out. That that's what cures the ills of the excitement level being at a low. If you win ball games, you'll be fine. I don't think Ryan is just going to somehow turn into a, a, an unbelievable salesman as as Mike Norvell was. That's not going to happen overnight. And even at this point, with the way the product's been the past two years, I don't know if that's going to naturally help a fan base get excited for the year. But win win ball games and excitement will come back quick. Promise yeah. you. The Al Davis method. Just win, baby. Yes. Just win, baby. That's it. Um, I I think they're capable of it. We had this conversation two weeks ago, and I don't want to spend too much time on it again. But those first six games are make or break. And it can absolutely – I think a couple weeks ago when we talked about it, we talked about it more from a a perspective of the team that it was a make or break. I think from the perspective of the fan base also it's make or break. If you start 6-0, and 5-1, and and that would – correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Boise – Missouri and Tulane are in the first six games. Uh, I'm pretty sure on that. Maybe yeah. wrong. But if you go six and oh, five and one, you can't tell me those last six games. You're not seeing way more butts in seats. You're <laughs> Hell not seeing yes. way more excitement. You're not seeing bigger tailgates. You're not, you, you know, it just, you'll get that football feel back. And I know the antithesis of that is, well, right around that time, that's when basketball is gearing up. I get that. I understand that. But the fans that care about this program, if the football team is good, they're going to rep the football team until yep. the end of the season. I mean, yes. we saw, we saw, me, me and Kenny were in Dallas. Like, we saw the fans that we expected the fan turnout to be lower than it was just because of the distance. But here's what, here's what I've noticed about Mem- the Memphis football fan base losses mean a lot more than any win does. But and that's, a, that's a frust, that's always been a little frustration for, for like players and seeing how the, Stadium I'm sure. Out. I'm sure. But to me, there's a caveat to that. And I, I almost tend to agree with that because with the teams that you're playing in the American conference, especially with the, some of the talent that Memphis has had over recent years and you know, dating even back to Fuente and Norvell, like these are teams that they should be yeah. beating on consistent basis. And when you have games like the Houston game last year, which was just Ugh. bumbled away. Of course, losses are going to mean more. Yeah. If you are a G5 team in general, not Memphis, not anybody, any group of five team, losses mean way more than wins. Uh, a loss to Navy means way more than a win against Tulane. Because especially national pundits, when they're looking at the record and they see that one. It's a good point. That's it doesn't, fair. It doesn't matter who it's against because you're not in a power conference. You're not playing the best of the best every single week. How hard is it to be? A if you, I, I get your point too. I've always said this too. Like if you want to, if you want to take yourself serious as a great football program, you got to beat just about everybody on your damn yes. schedule. SMU, that can't be a loss. I don't give a damn if they pay more money than anybody else in the no. AAC. That's if you want to take yourself serious and show and your be value, relevant. beat them. Yeah. Tulane, same thing. Yeah. If you want to show your value as a program, beat them. How difficult is it for a group of five team to be ranked with losses? 
Very. Almost impossible. Yeah. Almost impossible. You have to play nearly flawless, and if you're going to lose, then it has to be to a team that is understandable why you yeah. lost. You know, if you lose to a Power 5 school that's having success. Yeah. Say you lose to Missouri this year, and this is not going to happen because Eli Drinkwitz is trash. But <laughs> say you lose, they're recruiting their ass off right now. I don't know yeah, if you've seen are. that. They Williams are, and Winnery is the number one D-line recruit, right. and they just got him. Yeah, because uh, Missouri passed the yeah, law because where you that can law, pay players yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they're in high school. That's, that's a, probably the biggest That's a pretty good there. one. I don't think yeah. it's uh, Eli Drinkwitz. But let's just say. Although for, he does wear camo cargo shorts. He's <laughs> stylish, dude. Cringe master. Um, let's just say, for argument's sake, Missouri's like nine and three at the end of the year. Memphis loses to him by a touchdown. Understandable. Then you can be ranked with that loss. Yeah. But if you lose to Tulane and they're not very good, or you lose to Navy. Oh God, yeah. That you, mean- you know, you lose to any team in the American, really. You know, you know, maybe UAB. Maybe, maybe UTSA is ranked, but the UAB, the Charlotte, those teams. You lose to those teams. That have, means a hell of a lot. It means a lot. You can't lose to those kind of teams. Yep. It doesn't matter if you say, well, that you know, they have this player and this player, and they, you know, this player could go to the league. No, you like Memphis is supposed to be one of the elite group of five teams. Yep. It's what they've proved over the last decade. They're supposed to beat the teams in their conference. And if you don't do that, then yes, I agree with you. Losses should mean more than wins. I want to bounce this idea off of you. I brought it up last week to Kenny, and Kenny Kenny kind of got on board to a certain extent with it. Um, and I don't want to speak for him, but he he did. <laughs> uh, but I was talking about like if you want added an added punch and a reason to show up to games this year, every single opportunity with all this realignment nonsense going on, every single opportunity this year especially at home, is a way to show power conferences that you're worthy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, not only the on-field product, I think for the team, winning those shows your value. But if you have 35, 40, 45 deep every single game, that means something. That really does. Yes. with I I am in lockstep with you on that. Because if if you're winning games – that's great. That's wonderful. Yes. We talk about that a lot. But if there's nobody there to watch yeah, ten games, it's like damn. And there's nobody watching on TV. Even if you win ten games and there's no one there, it's like how then you're not attractive to you're not to showing bigger value. conferences. You're not. As much as the product has to show its value, I think the fan base does too. You have yes. to show your value. Yes. Yes. Because guess what comes from butts and seats? Money. Yep. What is all of this about at the end Money. of the day? Money. That is it. Yep. So if you show you can fill a stadium, have people engaged from a television audience, and win games, that's that's the secret sauce. Yep. That's it. And Memphis has shown that they can put butts in seats if they are good. It's true. Yep. Go look at any Power 5 game they've ever played. They've yes. put butts in seats. Yes. And, and Go people would any- also say it would be some of the Power 5 uh, the fans of that power five school as well like mississippi state and Ole miss bring a fair amount to the stadium but still those games are like fifty thousand, sixty thousand. pull up smu yes you know for sure and, and i know that's college game day and that that's, was cotton bowl what, right hopes right that's what you know people can say whatever that that's a once in a million shot not if you win games yeah not if you win games not if you win games not if i mean like if there's if, a scenario, if the, if there's the, a scenario where they could go into the two lane game undefeated. they're both undefeated yeah, and that could be that a college be game huge. day now Tulane. I, I got to say, Ole Miss early in the season, that's tough. It's tough. That's tough. tough. It is. But, but it's not unheard of. You go into a game like that and you're both undefeated and it's a light week in college football. Yeah. That can be Why a game not? day. Like, it's not impossible. Yeah. You just have to control your own destiny. And I also, even leading up to that, obviously you'd have to beat Mizzou. You'd have to beat Boise State along the way. Right. Um, But game day choosing – that place, like that SMU game, was late in the season. Later in the season, yes, it was. November, so they saw, I believe. they also saw how many butts were in the seats leading up to it. You got to show, you got to yeah. show it. Yeah, you got to show that you can be valuable. So, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Like it's it, it, you never know when that type of thing can pop up. But it's about it's about that formula: winning ball games, and go getting, handle business, and getting that fan base engaged. Go handle business, and if they're out there thumping teams, yeah. And they've got an elite offense and what? a defense that has shown improvement and shown that they play. They've put up some practice clips where it looks like, okay, this, this Chandler defense, Martin. Chandler Martin, this, this defense has a different level of aggression. Yeah. If you play like that, 
there football is a different game. And you and I both know this, but like when there's something special about a team or when a team is taking things more seriously than normal, or when there's a culture shift or whatever, it is a palpable thing. Yep. When you get a, a defense that flies around as an, and is aggressive and attacking and forces turnovers and gets sacks and creates negative plays, and you get an offense that is high-flying and can score points and can be balanced and has playmakers, like those things are palpable, not only to me and you, but to the casual fan as yeah. well, which in turn leads back to fans in the stadium. Yep. If this is just a team that plods through the first you know, four or five games and – winnable games and they win them but it's close and it's ugly that's a big difference between going and thumping teams yes just win is great win the games but if you go out and you thump bethune cookman and you thump navy score 55 points right yeah and you look like okay man and hold them down to 14 like it's it means something yes 2019 2018 2017 that's what memphis did against bad teams mercer in week one they start out like 60 to 14 yeah you just go thump Go yes. thump teams like they haven't. Pl- they've played close games with Arkansas State the last two years. Go thump that team. Yep. Go show that you well, you should be a level above them. What do you think about those first three games of the year? I, I it just frustrates me because I you don't learn anything till the fourth game of the year. Really, it feels like, and I guess you could learn something about them through that Arkansas State short week against Navy. But it's one double A, spread it out, throw it all over the place, team. Yeah. And then triple option team on a short week. Like that's that's frustrating and I it it feels like you're not going to learn all that much about where this team's going to be in that really tough stretch of the season. I think there's one thing that they can gain from that and I think it's more important than anything else is confidence. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's more important than that's more important than the schemes that they're playing against. It's more important than any of that. If you go out and you thump those teams you're going to go into what's game four, Boise Mizzou. State? That's Mizzou. That's Mizzou and St. Louis, yeah. Go into Mizzou feeling pretty well. And, and then you got, and then what you got I do Boise like about Tulane. that break is if you go 3-0 and and go to, and you have Mizzou the next week, it's going to be a long week of rest because you have a Thursday, Thursday game. Thursday game, yeah. So you're going to have extra time to get prepped. So I do, I do enjoy that. I always enjoyed that as a player too. Yeah, getting that long. Week. Oh hell yeah! And you got, you usually get sort of a couple of chill days no at the end of that week over the weekend. Yeah. While, but while football's on, um, you get to actually you be get a football to, fan you, that weekend. Yeah, you get a bunch of, you get a bunch of prep in, and I think they'll need that before Mizzou. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's what I think. No, you're not playing great teams. I know Navy pres- always presents a challenge because of the offense that they run, but. At the same time, I think you got enough experience on this defense. They've seen it. Navy sucks anyway. Like, go th- – I mean, uh, uh, I'm going to keep saying it. Right. Just, Just go, go beat the hell out of Murder those yes. teams. That's what you Just go win all three of those games by three-plus touchdowns and then go into St. Louis and let it fly. Yep. Just let it go. You're not going to be expected to win that game. It's a road game. Pseudo right. road game. It's a, it's a road game. But you're playing – a bottom-tier SEC school that is still, you know, as you said, they're recruiting well. They're trying to figure it out. They're yep. trying to build it up, but they're not there yet. Defense solid. Their defense, defense is, is not very, bad. No, defense good. is not bad. And obviously, Luther Burden, we've talked about, but they're not. They're not an unbeatable team. No, I mean, this team beat no. this team beat Mississippi State two years ago. That yep. was a way better team than this Missouri team, no doubt, yep. hands down. So it, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. But you just go handle business emphatically in these first three games. And you just go play that Missouri game and you see what happens. And if something special happens, then you carry that through the rest of the season. Then you get Boise at home. You get Tulane at home. Winnable games that you get in a place where you do not lose very often. Like, uh, people are going to continue to say, like, you know, we're we're thumping the positivity, but – we're not. It's it's realistic. It can go the other way. Yeah, it could they, very like well said, go the other they way. Could, they could plod through those first. What three scares games. me? Well, you want to hear my scary thought? Yeah, let's hear it. those those. Okay, so let's even let's just go positive. They win the first three games. I think most people would expect that. You get those next three games. Let's say they lose them all. Really struggle. Lose all of them. What's their confidence looking like at three and three dealing with UAB, North Texas, USF, Charlotte, SMU, Temple, all in conference? Okay. I I just get scared about like. What do they feel like they're playing for after that? Are they gonna now? We've seen Ryan and, and the teams even through the late regular season. You know, last year even against Tulane, you saw it in game. They still fight and they still play hard. But you just sort of wonder with this particular team, with where they're at, if they go three and three in those first six games, what the hell are they gonna 
feel like they're fighting for, trying to play for after that? Yeah. And, and what is that show like? Because you're going to have some road games against in-conference opponents that you should beat, but they're at least capable. Four and two, I think, it has to be the bare minimum. Yeah, I think so, too. The bare, like the bare minimum, and I'm saying that's the bare minimum, and there's really not any fan excitement at that point. Yeah, there if you might, lose all three, there's going to be no fan excitement. Yeah, zero, zero. Even if you won the last six games, I think people would still be like, like "Well, you lost the three most." I mean, meaningful we're, ta- we're talking about the what, what are the home games after that? I mean, you, I know the you home just games, mentioned some of the teams. The home games the home are games? USF and SMU after that. That's the only two. SMU will matter somewhat, yeah. but that, you know what I mean. What, are you gonna get 10k for South Florida? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just being realistic. Like if you're if you're three and three, it's it's shot. Yeah. And to and unless you win the next six and you're nine and three, then you might get some people re-engaged because it's a good record. But I but don't who know. who did you beat to really excite exactly. anybody? Not exactly. really anybody. Exactly. I mean, you make you make compete for like a SMU. People would be like, okay, they beat SMU yeah. if they, if they ended up nine and three and lost those three games in the middle of the year. And, and I mean, realistically, you might compete for a conference championship at nine and three. Yeah. With one, I mean, that'd be one conference loss to yeah. Tulane, and that'd be it. So you could compete for a conference championship. There might be a little bit of excitement. Yeah. But keep you that, lose, keep you that lo- alive. You lose one, two games for the season, then we're talking, then, about, then we're talking yes. about steam. And so that's every, everything is in front. We know what the start of the season is. Everybody's zero and zero. Anything can happen. Uh, a group of five teams not going to go to the playoff yet. That won't, you know, be a possibility really until next year. I mean, we've seen Cincinnati do it, and that was it. 12 team is when we may, 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 because I think there's, I was going to bring this up 12 team playoff pack 12 is cooked. Yeah. And now you have Greg Sankey stepping up to the mic and in pressers and saying, we need to reevaluate this. Yeah. And I, I just have a feeling this is going to be 12 best teams, all at largest. Yeah. And that's going to, I mean, group of five access cooked. Yeah. And I think it expedites the process of haves and have nots playing their own championships. Yeah. But I, 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 again, this is me speculating. I think it's educated speculation. Follow the money. Follow the power structure. Tony yeah. Petiti with the Big Ten in the, in the commissioner's office. Greg Sankey in the SEC in the commissioner's office. Those are the guys that are going to be calling shots for college football going forward right now. 80 to 100 million per, per school and a massive media rights deal in the Big Ten. 70 million per school and a massive media rights deal in the SEC. They have the money. They're going to hold all the infinity stones, if you will. They're going to make the calls. And I feel like him stepping up to the press and saying that is 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 a warning shot telling everybody, hey, I wanted it to be the 12 at-large teams. I didn't like automatic qualifiers in the first place. I really don't like it now that the Pac-12 is done. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're headed that direction. Quick. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But, like, with back to it, like, with it being the beginning of the season, everything is on the table. Possibilities are absolutely endless you control your own destiny. It's the great part about yep. football not starting yet, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, yeah. reality can hit quick. It, it can. It, it, this is an important season for the university, for Silverfield, for some of these players with, you know, higher aspirations. Yes, yep. Like, and, and it's this way every year, but this year in particular just feels like it has added weight and pressure. And I think there's a sentiment from a lot of the media in the city of, they want this year to be leave no doubt either way. Yeah. If you're gonna stink, stink and find new leadership. If you're gonna be good, win ten games. Yeah. Don't don't give us mediocrity. Don't do where six like, and six, yeah. seven and five. I mean, eight and four could depending on who you beat and lose to, could even be sort of a pseudo six and six like it was right. last year with Houston and UCF and Cincinnati still in conference. So right. I, I think that's the overarching sentiment from a lot of people in the city right now that follow this program. Let's do this real quick. What are a couple of things, and we'll both kind of give an opinion on this, what are a couple of things that have to happen this year? Could be off-field, on the field, could be particular players, coaches, whatever. What has to happen this year for not national media, not even local media, but for fans to call this season a success and feel good about it? One is the offensive line has to pave the way. Okay. They have to open holes. They have to take pressure off Seth Hennigan. If they do that, I feel awesome about even those three tough games in the middle of the schedule. Without I've, a doubt. Like, if they run the damn ball and create some explosion in the run game, they have the dudes in the backfield to do it. They do. That's what frustrates me. 
Bull Hargrove's a good player. He may he he's not even th- like they're not even thinking about giving him a whole bunch of run right now because you have Blake Watson who ran for a thousand at Old Dominion. Jay Ducker who ran for a thousand at NIU two years ago. You have uh, Brandon Smith. Thomas who was solid until he wasn't because the O line wasn't open hole. Sutton Smith who they expect a lot from. They have an unbelievable backfield. It's about that O line. Can you keep Seth Hennigan upright? Can you give him some help with the run game? That's first. And then second, I, I want to see how this defense paves, uh, like sort of sets the table yes. for this team. If they are good, you'll be in every game. Yes. And I think that that's important in itself. Because if the offense is struggling through the first half of the season, that defense could help them out and, and create opportunities for them that they may not have. So I think O-line I am very skeptical about, but I want to see work out. I, I'm very confident about the defense, but I really want to see it in action. I, I agree with both of those things. I'm going to go with something a little bit more kind of up in the air. It, it's not really, you can't measure this. It's kind of just okay. a feel and see thing. I think this is something that Memphis had in 2019, 2018, 2017, something that we saw the whole time. I want to see the units feed off of each other. Okay. Special teams, defense, offense, right. working together to make this team better when the defense needs the offense to step up and make plays and score points they go do that when the offense is sputtering and they need the defense to force a turnover to give a spark or the special teams to get a big return to give the team a spark go do that like do your job do what's asked of you do it to the best of your ability and when another position group it's complimentary yes play complimentary football And that, I think that is a big part of what's been missing the last two years. Like, we see times when one unit is up and one unit is down and everything's And we've hitting. also seen times where every unit's down. Right. We're dropping punts. The offense can't get moving. Yes. They're fumbling ball. Defense is giving up big plays. Like, if somebody needs a pick-me-up, give them a pick-me-up yep. that day. Yep. Everything needs to hit. It's not always going to hit. You're yeah. like you're going to have, but every everybody needs to be there prepared. There is some give and take day. in football. Absolutely, that's just life. Absolutely, there is some give and take that you have to deal with, and I don't think they've done a good job of that at all. Here's my question to you, and I know my answer. When is the last time that you can remember the team played like that, where when the defense had to make a stop, even if they allowed? That, that was Cotton Bowl 2019. I'd say Mississippi State 2020. Okay, that's fair. Defense, but I'm talking up. about as a full season. Yeah, yeah, I was talking and about that, singular, yeah, yeah. Game. singular game, singular game, singular game. Okay, Mississippi State's fair. Yeah. but I was, I was like as a as a full season, I'd have to go 2019. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But that 2020 Mississippi State game, yeah, defense allowed a lot of points, but Quindell Johnson made huge plays yes. down the stretch in that game. Offense scored, and they a lot got of a fumble points. to open the game. Right. Fumble recover, right? Re- return from for the touchdown. defense. Yeah, Calvin Austin gets the huge special well, team. Yep. So it, it's just that level of football where everything has to be locked in. It takes a lot to win a football game. It's not easy to win yeah. a football game, but you need you need to play complementary football. Because there are going to be games when the offense is not scoring a lot of points and the defense has to step up. We saw it with those teams, that 2019 team. Like, that was the uh, uh, the 10-7 game, I think, yep. against Navy on the road. Yeah, like those yeah, kind it was of, 2020. Was it 2020? Yeah, yeah. Well, darn. Bad ugly, example. Ugly one. Yeah. But, but just in general, like, there were those games. We know that offense was great, but there were still games where they weren't at their best. Mm-hmm. There were games where the defense allowed a lot of points and the offense just had to keep scoring and just had to outscore the other team. There was games when Antonio Gibson or whoever, you know, Tony hooped. Pollard <laughs> was was returning kicks and and giving the offense good field position or returning them to the house to get, you know, to give a touchdown to the team. Like there's just, it's hard to win if all your units aren't locked in and aren't yeah. ready to pick up slack for the other. So that I would say that to me is my key is my that's key. A, that's a good one. Just team football. Don't care. Don't care. We're not getting frustrated. We're not getting aggravated. We're just going out there and playing our best. So yeah, that's my that. key. I hear that. Yeah, that's a good one. You you told me to give two though. You you got another? I just said a just, few. I just said what are some things? Oh, okay. those are some things. I think second one would be O line though for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Pick up your slack. I went on a heck of a monologue though, so I didn't. Want no, to, you're right. Didn't want to go you're you're dead correct. You're dead correct. That's that's that is a sign of a good football team. That's a sign of a winning football team. Absolutely, of a team that knows how to has learned how to win. And this team, in a lot of ways. The past two years, and I know this can be hard. This can like nails on a chalkboard to some people. They've learned how to lose. They have. They have. Like they have. They have grabbed defeat out of the jaws of victory several times. In Houston, there's no better example last year against than last year against Houston. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, talking about complimentary football, we have someone behind the glass that is 
extremely complimentary to what you and I do in front of the camera. That man's name is one Kenny Stubblefield. I've heard, Gabe, I know I've taken a week off, but I've heard he's got a pretty good hot three he does. cooked up for us. So I'm going to take a break, hear from some sponsors. And on the other side, Kenny will have the hot three for us. A show over in, in New Zealand, radio host had Pete Pranica, of all people, on his show. And the guy was saying that a friend of his who's close to Stephen Adams said that the Grizzlies kind of mishandled something with his surgery, that he needed surgery the whole time. Mm. They said that he didn't. They prolonged it. And then he actually got surgery, and now he's rehabbing from that. Yeah, they used the word misdiagnose. <laughs> yeah, that's a strong word. The Grizzlies don't give clear information about stuff. And it, leaves, really it leaves room for interpretation. Right. And my interpretation is that this story sounds real. <laughs> now I'm not saying I'm not saying this story is true, but it's true-ish. That sounds like that sounds more realistic than anything the Grizzlies were saying. When you leave things up for speculation. Hey, that's what happens. Guys like me just put guys two like and that two New together. Zealand radio guy. <laughs> New Zealand radio that. dude. They yeah. come out and say, hey, and I know my partner I, said Stephen Adams was way more messed up than y'all thought he was. And that and not only that, yeah. Y'all misdiagnosed that man. Misdiagnosed. Strong words, man. Woo. Strong words, strong words. Tune in to The Anthony Sane Show, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy. Just curious, you kind of talked about the transfers and things like that. How has that changed your mindset from a roster management standpoint? Like, incredible recruiter. All the classes, I think I think we had two back-to-back and 21 and 22 top classes. Uh, how does that change with the transfer portal? Do you start focusing more on upperclassmen? Do you kind of get away from the younger freshmen? How does that work? Yeah, so I still believe in our coaching staff, the way we do things in developing guys. And uh, that I will never get away from that philosophy. We're still gonna recruit a high school class. Now there's a lot of colleges out there that say, screw this, we're, we're pushing all the chips in on this roster, win right now, and we'll figure it out. Sure. And if it doesn't, right, it implodes and, and bad things happen. But I think you still have to bring in true freshmen and develop them and see what they can become. Um, and and, I, and that, I'll never waver from that. But the portal certainly changed things. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. We are. You guys are. ready? Of course we are. Always. Hey, Kenny. listen, I just want to throw you your flowers real quick. For a dry week, that segment was pretty awesome. Good job. Oh, well, thank you. Appreciate sir. you. Thank you. Um, y'all ready for that? We three? aim to deliver. You yeah. aim to deliver. And guess what? Y'all deliver every week. Well, All right. Here we, we go. We don't We don't throw and pray. We aim and fire. Yes. <laughs> here we go. It's a quote one Israel to Sonia. Here we go. Y'all ready for the hot three? <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. All right, let's go. UFC 292. Massive weekend. I say this about every UFC fight, but massive weekend. Fun fights littered up and down the card. Um, belts changed hands. Belts stayed in, in champions' hands after a dominating win. What were some of the fights that you guys saw that you were like, man, let's I, talk about it. I know usually, Gabe, we kind of run through the main card. Let's just start at the top. Aljo thought shit was sweet. Yeah, he <laughs> did. Yeah, he did. He left his face out there. Don't overextend against Sean O'Malley, dude. He's a sniper. Don't do that. How many times? We've seen him knock people clean the hell out because yes. he's so damn, I mean, he his aim is ridiculous. Yeah. He doesn't miss. Speaking of aim and fire. That man is nasty. He does not miss. He's so accurate. Yeah. No, first round was close. A lot of people were giving it to Aljo. It was just basically front kicks from O'Malley, leg kicks from Aljo. You know, what we expected first round, five round fight, just feeling out. 
then I was sitting there kind of thinking, okay, this might go, you know, three, four. Like, we might get in, in depth on this fight. And then less than a minute into the first round, Aljo lunges in, misses by a millimeter. Second round. The yeah, second, second round. round. 50, like 53 seconds of yeah. the second round. Um, Aljo misses by a millimeter. Ugh. And Sean off the back foot, fading away. See, but he was off the back foot, but he pressed through that. Oh, yeah. He came back forward after he after he weaved. Yeah. It was just perfectly placed on the jaw, too. Like, of, couldn't have been better. A lot placed. of people are saying it looked eerily similar, similar to Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo. Uh, and it absolutely did. Yeah. I, I think there. Can I say this? I think there was more force behind, um, McGregor's. No, I think there was more force behind, behind O'Malley's. Yeah, he said he was like that. He he literally said that's how McGregor put Aldo out. Yeah, step back, counter right, straight money. That's oh exactly my gosh. what it was. What do you think? Some people thought it was a quick stoppage. Eh, I saw it both either ways. Way, either they way, they let him defend for a second. But he was just out of it, man. He was out. Those shots from the top were getting through clean, yeah. and you just can't let somebody sit there and take just that punished. much damage. Yeah, I know sometimes we push for entitled fights, just like we did this with let Izzy and Pajeda also, way. just like let the man go out on a shield. But I, I don't hate it. I wasn't mad at Mark Goddard for the stoppage at all. I mean, the end was near. Sean O'Malley is the damn Bantamweight championship. He's the truth. And, and this, Champion. Is what, this is what's crazy. I've been a huge Sean O'Malley fan since he came onto the scene. I remember when he got suspended and just being like, man, I cannot wait till he gets back. He came back against, uh, was it Eddie Wineland that he came back against? Big mustache guy? Yeah. yeah. I think it was Eddie, Eddie Wineland. And he walk off KO'd him and then just kind of went on this tear. And then you got everybody pissed off. Like, okay, we got this guy who's a budding star and we're just throwing him meat to just knock out every fight. You get the yep. Chris Matino fight who he absolutely just turned his face into hamburger meat like there were so many fights where it was just like sean o'malley is the clear favorite yeah and we're not getting this step up in competition that we're hoping for like the ufc is just grooming him and grooming him and grooming him like let's go he gets cheeto vera he loses well his he got a dead leg he did he did he fight. got he got kicked in the in the calf and the you know the leg went whatever dead. what is that it's, it's, it's a like nerve. A, yeah there's a nerve, it's a nerve there that just kind of just shuts your foot off uh, so he had that, and then it was like, okay, you had you had people on both sides. You had people on the okay, we knew Sean wasn't this good. Like he finally fought somebody that was decent because Cheeto was not Cheeto now. Then, well, but what's crazy too is like I remember that fight. Cheeto put him in a mounted crucifix and was pounding. Oh, absolutely, his head yeah. with elbows. I'm like, yeah, it was not. Good it was brutal. Optically. It was bad. And then, who did he fight after that? I think it was a, I think it was a Brazilian guy. I can't remember his name. But it was a guy who was kind of like a journeyman. It was like, okay, he got his win back. Then I think he fought Pedro Munoz. And this was like, okay, we finally get... To, and we saw Pedro Munoz and uh, yeah. Cheeto Vera fight on Saturday. Cheeto got the better of him. Yeah, but Pedro is a hell of a fighter. Yeah. Like, he's no slouch. And so that was when it was finally, like, okay, we get to see Sean against real competition. No contest. Yep. And so no one knows. But then he fell and right then, back up into a Pewter Yon And then fight. he fights Pewter Yon and nobody... Thought he was going to beat Pewter Jan. Razor thin decision could have went either way, but he wins it against Pewter Jan, who at one point looked like I, I mean, an unstoppable we, machine. We can, we can tell the story all we want about Sean O'Malley, but he has gotten some Dana White UFC privilege. There's no doubt. But that's that's a lot of other guys, too. And you when have, you're that hey, exciting, you have to sell your promotion. You, I get it. You have to win fights, though. Yeah, you have and to win fights, but also you have to be an entertainer. Yes, and he do. is that. You do, to get that quote-unquote privilege, but you have to win the fights. All they can do is put you in the positions, and this man has delivered yep. time and time again. He's been counted out against Pewter Jan, against Aljamain Sterling. Both of those fights were how in the world does he find a way to win this fight? Mm -hmm. Aljamain Sterling just beat Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Wrestling. A gold I mean, I mean... Uh, yep. Henry Cejudo's an Olympian wrestler. Yep. And Aljamain Sterling got the better of because him. Because it's O'Malley can just knock, Find knock your hole. ass out. It's Man, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. But the, the, the thing is, though, he... If someone can take him to the deep waters and wrestle him and get him to the ground... His takedown defense is great, by yeah. the way. He's, he's used to it. Someone can take him to the deep waters and wrestle him for a fight. It, it, he's going to lose by decision. Yeah. 
But, but for right now, strap a rocket ship to that man's yes, back as if sure. he wasn't already big sure. and famous enough because of what he's... Uh, kudos to what the guy's done out of the cage with his YouTube presence and every, everything that he's done to build his brand is phenomenal. It's what you should aim to do when you have a spotlight and are able to build that fame. He's done it perfectly. And now... The superstardom, it like there's there's he, no, there's no ceiling for how high he can go as far as a sale. That was the biggest bantamweight fight of all time. Yeah, there's of there's, all time. It's a good example of, I think in especially in the UFC and really in the fight game, the more entertaining you are, whether people like you or not, the more famous you are because people there's going to be just as many people watching you to win a fight as there are to be to hopefully watch you lose. Yeah, and I think Sean O'Malley encompasses that. Almost the Jake Paul style to a certain extent, except not quite, man. Not quite that. Boston bad. loved him. I saw yeah. so many pink afros of out there. I mean, the I would. I mean, Boston would be the city that loves Sean O'Malley. O'Malley. Yeah. White no, guy. Was a, <laughs> I, I think I can't remember if it was loudmouth white guy in Boston. Yeah. That, I think it was that, Dana, that is Boston. I think it was Dana White talking about it. And he was like, or maybe it was someone asking him questions, but it made me think about it too. It was like. When is the last time you can remember such a split crowd where it was like there was a clear villain and there was a clear hero? I mean, there was F.U. Aljo chants going on during the fight. Isn't that ridiculous? I love that. That's ridiculous. What did Aljo do to be F.U.? Nothing, but it's just fun. But you get get what I'm saying. I do, yes. You get what I'm saying. It's weird how that works in in the fight game. I understand the old hate for Aljo, but he's proven himself... But at the end of the day, just as a fight fan, I never understood the old hate. I thought it was unfair. I love that environment, though, man. Yeah. I guess it takes me back to a kid in like the WWE days. Like I was. Yeah, no, I get it. It just is like I don't know. It's a different environment. It's so much fun of just like we hate this guy. We're cheering only for this guy. You only get that when a fighter from another country goes back home, where it's like clearly this. But I think it's it's, it's bothersome is like human to human Aljamain Sterling's the more likable guy but in the fight game O'Malley's the more entertaining and likable guy but that it's just like hearing the straight boos for Aljamain I'm like damn Boston y'all don't have to do the guy like that they lost it when he landed that punch like that's the loudest I can remember hearing they were Boston Boston almost it's like a a heavy Irish presence. So yeah. You hear the chants from the crowd in general too. Like it's just. It was the it was the highest grossing event in the that's, garden. That is one of the that is one of the better UFC venues yes. as far as like fan engagement yeah. that there is. Highest grossing gate at the guard at TD Garden other than Celtics final. That's game. crazy. That's insane. Seven point two five million. <laughs> absurd. That's insane. Absolutely absurd. Um, I, I'm not going to say it was the best card of the year no by way. any means. There were some good fights. Zhang Zhang Wei Zhang Wei Li absolutely dominated. I knew that was coming. Yeah, but like, damn, pure I mean, domination. I mean, st- the biggest strike differential in women's. UFC I was going to say Amanda Lemos just on her back doing nothing the entire time. No, that was so bad. Yeah, it's like give me something. Then we had Ian Gary. I like Ian Gary. The uh, the star continues to rise there. He is uh, what, 13 and 0 now, yep. I believe. Yep. He uh, didn't have to flip him off. I know you hate yeah, that. I did he not, didn't have to flip him off after the fight. Neil Magny's a journeyman. He's been around. Although his pre-fight stuff was weird. It was weird. He's like, I have a kid now, so I'm used to giving out whoopings like this. And Ian Gary's like, wait, you beat your kid? Yeah. <laughs> don't admit that. Yeah, like, what? What, what's your deal? Now, I don't mind it during the fight, the talking, the whatever. Like, dude, you're in a fight for your life. Do whatever you want to give yourself confidence. But after the fight, like going back to just roots of combat sports, martial arts, it is about respect. And even in a case like O'Malley and Aljo where they bashed each other, it was respect yeah. after the fight on both ends. And then in this case, you, I mean, Ian Gary's flipping Neil Magny, a guy that's had, what, 40 pro fights? I yeah. think this is his 40th pro fight. You're flipping off after you win. Like, pretty douchey move. It, yes. I get it. He's a 25-year-old kid. He's undefeated. Like, a little too cocky. Superstar uh, potential with him, but like, Man, he can strike. But here's what I'll say. It's hard to turn out Neil's Magny's lights. He, even when he had the fight in full control in that third round, he wanted to go give the UFC what they wanted. He wanted to put Neil Magny out, which I do respect out of a fight. He wasn't coasting. Yeah, he didn't try to coast in that third round just so he could get the win. He He tried to go get him out of there. 
he called out Wonder Boy afterwards, and Wonder Boy turned down the fight. That would have been a fun fight. Yeah. I wish Wonder Boy wouldn't turn that one down. Wonder Boy could find some openings against Ian Gary, though. I agree. Defensively, I don't know if he's quite there yet. He's a little too cocky with his hands. But if he caught Wonder Boy, I think Wonder Boy would be slept. Yeah. Slept. I think that's about it for this card, though. Like I said, it wasn't super. The only way, like, Mario Batista and Damon Blackshear was interesting. I, I didn't know. Like, I, it was a unanimous decision, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. I it's pretty uneventful. I, I it was uneventful, but I thought I thought Demond Blackshear at least earned himself a split. Like, I thought I, I, he didn't look like great, but Mario no. Batista didn't impress the hell out of me. No, and then, and then kind of as we alluded to, we had Cheeto Barrow on this card as well. That's who Sean O'Malley <laughs> called out after the fight. His only loss is to Cheeto Vera, and that would be a fun promotion to do for and that fight. By the way, last last fight of the prelims, Brad Tavares and uh, Chris Weidman coming My back God. off the two year. Uh, the two-year layoff because of the broken leg. I know that it is smart technique to go attack that leg, but Brad Tavares was being an asshole. (laughs) He was being an asshole, dude. I mean... He's just kicking the hell out of that leg. I'm like, man, I don't want to see him break that thing again. I I can't take that. I can't watch that. Dana said he either tore his ACL or MCO in that same knee. Oh, man. Yeah, and then he, then he, Chris got pissed at one point in the second, and just planted <laughs> the leg and was just pointing to it, like kick it. I don't care. <laughs> Wild stuff. Now Chris needs to hang it up, man. We haven't got. I, I expected a retirement. He I needs expected to, it. Needs to hang it up. He came out today and, and said, "I'm not retiring." Yeah, he's thirty-nine. He came out today and said, "I'm not done. I'm coming back." Did they announce? I was did waiting. They announce I was, the injury? Kenny. I told you this even before the card. I was waiting after that fight, though. After he lost, I was retirement. waiting for him to. Retire. Oh, I thought because I was looking. For I was him to waiting take the patiently yeah. Yeah. for him to retire, and he like. Yeah. That was the time. Kenny, do you that know if they, the if they announced if it was ACL or MCL? Or they haven't, they haven't announced. Anything? I think Dana said something about his MCL. He said, Yeah, he said it was either MCL or ACL. He couldn't remember. But regardless, <laughs> he's looking at another long layoff. Like, Well, just, and then I, you've, you've, when he comes back, that pre, like Brad, they're going to do the same thing Brad Tavares did. Right. Just kick the hell out of his Chris, leg. you've reached the mountaintop. You're a legend. Just, legend. Just go out. Just go out. Don't. Don't do any more damage. I've never really heard Chris Weidman talk a bunch, but he wouldn't be bad as like an analyst. Would I don't think he would either. I think he's good. I think, and he's been around. He's got a good Smart relationship dude. with those. He's been around Smart for a long dude. time. I'm sure that he could probably fit in on ESPN with the UFC crew. Who's his camp? Who's his camp, Kenny? It's Sierra Longo, right? He, so he works with Matt Sarah and Ray Longo, and those dudes are just a wealth of knowledge. So yeah. I'm sure yeah. Chris would be awesome on the mic. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know what I don't know what he's waiting for. Yeah, I don't get it. All right, Kenny. Next up. Next topic, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been uh Oh, hey. Hey there. <laughs> what kind of beer are we drinking tonight? Okay. IPAs. Yes. <laughs> That's, I call that the white man's nectar. <laughs> Alrighty then. Hello, Trey. <laughs> uh, all right. Second topic, hot three. Uh, the FIBA exhibition games are now over. Um, each team had five exhibition games. The uh, USA team, man, they had a scare in that last game, but they ended those five games 5-0. and um, Jaron Jackson Jr. from the Memphis Grizzlies has proven himself, man. He is a stud out there on that court. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on what you've seen so far? First game, I think they'll be August 25th in the Philippines against New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. It'll be weird timing, though, because of the, where, where it's being played. Yeah, but... Uh, what I think is everybody has a freak out about how a Team USA team is going to look. And this team's been fine. I thought they do have some lulls, though. Like, they'll have some bad stretches of basketball where they're turning the ball over, not playing good defense, but they usually respond. And I thought they responded in that Germany game. It was just pretty late. They yeah. responded pretty damn late. Uh, my big takeaway, though, yes, Jaron Jackson Jr., six blocks, closed out that game with his defense. Anthony Edwards, good God. <laughs> yeah. 34 points, four for eight from three. Like, my word, he's so good. And we had we had questions with him coming into uh, the NBA. Did he care about it? He always talked about football being his first sport and his real love, and he didn't really grind at basketball, but yeah. we see he's grinding at basketball. He see, I don't think you, I don't think you can uh, play that well without loving the game. Yeah. No, Triple J has been impressive, you know, just continuing to show how good of a defensive player he is. And, you know, it'll be exciting to continue to see what he does, but it's hard to talk about the U.S. national team and not talk Anthony Edwards. Yeah, like no, it's crazy. Me and Kenny saw him when he was 19 years old in Atlanta, and it was like, 
the the the, the, the narrative was the same stuff you're saying. Like yeah. this kid doesn't really care, but he's the best player in the country. Like he doesn't look like he's really trying that hard, but he's incredible. And so to see him now look like he's he was an all star. He's a good, great scorer, been a really good yeah. scorer. But now it's like okay, this dude could really take a step in a straight up superstar. Know what I want to see though, because th- I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a power struggle. I foresee it being a power struggle with the Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns still wants to be a guy too. Yeah. Anthony Edwards needs the ball in his hand. Yeah, he, he needs, needs to be the man. Like the guy. Carl Anthony Towns, take a back seat, brother. Yeah. Because this guy is the real deal. He's 22 years old. He's been to an All Star game. He's he is the future. He's one of the future faces of the NBA. He needs to be the lead guy. No questions asked. Don't get mad about it. Although I can see Carl Anthony Towns get yeah. mad about it. He has a high view of himself. He said he. I think he said he changed the game with how good of a shooter he is. Good God. We've seen stretch fives before, brother. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's not that new. Um, but but no, Anthony Edwards needs to be the lead guy there for the Timberwolves and really for offensively for this national team. Yeah. He's 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 best most impressive creator of his own shot on this team. And it looks like everyone on the national team knows that yeah. he is the guy. Steve know, Kerr said it. Know who's sweet. Know who's real. Know who's good. Who? Austin Reeves is a good player. God, he's a good basketball player. I hate to be that guy. <laughs> he is he, a good basketball he's player. The Austin Reeves? Uh, yes. Okay. He ought to start. He can create off the dribble, create for his teammates. He can shoot. He can get to the rim. He can shoot a mid-range. He like... I don't see many faults in his game. Defensively, maybe he'll step too slow, but he's not terrible on the defensive side. He tries. He tries. I, 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 man, I feel like that, like Brandon Ingram has been awful this yeah. tournament. Maybe insert somebody like Austin Reeves or what, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But not Brandon the, Ingram's not the, been terrible. Not the biggest Austin Reeves fan, but. I, I'm not saying I'm like a big fan of him. I'm just saying like he's his good. game is yeah. well-rounded. Like it's hard not to respect his game. This is an undrafted dude. This was like you. out of Oklahoma. No one really gave a damn about the guy. Yeah. And somehow has carved out a role and he's on a freaking National on Team, team USA team. playing well. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. All right, Kenny. You last. wanted to move past that. He's yeah. like Austin. I'm not, not going to sit here and talk about Austin Reeves. Damn, what a guy. Yep. <laughs> Kenny, hit us with that last point. Let's get out of here. Last point, last hot three topic is the NFL. Obviously, uh, preseason games are going on right now. Um, some big news came down. You, you guys talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the Jonathan Taylor Indianapolis Colts situation. Apparently Indianapolis came out today and said, we're giving this guy the option to go and seek a trade. Um, kind of stepping back from what they, what they, their official stance was at the beginning of the time. But what are you, what are you seeing? What about that? And, and what else is of note? What bothers me is why do they say he's seeking a trade? You're seeking yeah. a trade. I don't care. Like, cause he can only do so much. So, he can say where he wants to go, but right. if they don't give you what you want in they return, right. he doesn't get what he wants. Uh, they said they want a first-round pick or something close to that, though. I I wonder if this is because of his health. Have you seen the videos of him walking around camp or walking no, around practice? I th- you want to know what this is? This is a this is a cooked relationship between. I don't. I I do, I do not disagree. Clearly, I, I mean, we talked about how our feelings on Jim Irsay. Like, I don't disagree, but I saw videos of him walking around practice. He does not look good. He looks like he can't even walk right now. I mean, I'll have to see the videos. All right, I need, <laughs> I need confirmation on this. I can't just take your word for it. Oh, okay. That's I'm what not, Jim Irsay wants me to believe. Man. That's what Jim Irsay wants me to believe. You, are you, are you taking up for Jim Irsay? No, right absolutely Christian's not. Christian's taking up for Jim Irsay, Kenny. No, I'm I didn't not. expect this tonight. Take Unbelievable. That off, this take that is off a heel the turn. Unbelievable. Take this is that a massive. Well, and also turn. he doesn't value running backs, so it actually kind of checks out a little bit. He doesn't think running backs are worth a damn. Just go get Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round and right. win a championship. We're gonna, we're gonna. Are you, are you pulling it up? I got it. Right, we're gonna see. let Gabe watch this video in silence. Let's see. He's gonna say I'm stupid or something. Okay. What? Okay. What? Yeah, you're right. He is walking around very <laughs> gingerly. That is strange. Yeah. That's that does not look right. No. What was his injury? right legs? He, oh what was the injury God. that they said he had? They said they, claim, and, and they claimed he has a back injury. Sounds like a ba- if he's walking gingerly, it might be a back situation. No, but well, it he's looks had like ankle he's, problems. Too. He's walking on his right leg so yeah, like it's weird. And he's walking slow as to like not show he's hurt. Yeah, like he's like I can't walk. That but is kind of bad. I That's know. not great. I know. 
maybe there's some injury to it, but he could probably recover from that. I think it's more about the ownership and him. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but that's not a good sign. Yeah. That's not going to garner you a first round no, pick if he's uh, walking around like that. Is it, uh, if is they're it, asking for a first round pick, they still think that he could recover and be a good running yeah, back in this. They're league. not going to get a first round pick. Is it each other? James Harden, James Harden, Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76er situation <laughs> where he had a bad hamstring for like six weeks and then all of a sudden he, he got traded, traded and that hamstring <laughs> was good as new. Good as new, baby. <laughs> nah, that looks legit. I don't know. Yeah, that that's not a good walk. Yeah, no, it's not. That is not a good all. walk. He's right. He's he's trustworthy. <laughs> Christian's trustworthy. Yeah, but so maybe we'll, maybe there's a level of that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, I know a couple of people have put out that an AFC scout said that the Chiefs would be a team to watch. To Dolphins, get who's who, where I think would be the best. Yeah, I mean Devon A. Chain just got injured. He's I think day to day. Well, they have just week. a bunch. Of, they have Jeff Wilson and Raheem. Just these fast, shifty running backs that really can't take a hit in between in between the tackles they need that punch and they didn't go get Alvin Cook even though that would have been a good landing spot getting back to Miami back to Florida where he's from he went to Florida State so they skipped up on that let him go to the Jets now you have another premier back on the open market yeah see what you can make happen now if the if the if the injury is bad you do have to weigh your options here because if you don't want to pay a running back it wouldn't make sense for him to like have an injury this year, not play for half the season, and then you'd have to pay him on the back end, right? And only let him play two years from now. They're in a win now situation, though, right. and I think he would sort of complete that offense absolutely. in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Along with some O line help, they need some O line. Yeah, help. they do. Uh, didn't Toronto? I think Toronto Armstead just got injured. Uh, yeah, well. but it's not. They thought it was gonna be. He went off on a cart, but it's not. It's not that. Yeah, serious. pre preseason they take everybody off on a cart. Yeah. you got people freaking out, and they pretty much like same that Devon A Chain went off. One of my favorite pastime though is when beat reporters for some of these teams are like, I just name Patrick Mahomes is in a walking boot. Who gives a damn? He, right. he has a sprained ankle and he's trying to take some weight off right. of it. Like a walking boot means no. That's my favorite watch. The walking the boot. walking boot watch. Yeah. Um, other news. You kind of hinted at one. We won't really talk about this because kind of old now. Davin Cook to the Jets on a one year deal worth up to eight point six million. Pretty interesting. Probably more so in the fantasy football world if you're looking to get a hold of Brees Hall. But you got to be careful. One two puncher Brees Hall. Fantasy wise, yeah. you got to be. How do they do it? I don't yeah. know how they how really they make that work. They don't really complement each other. They're, it's weird. Yeah. They're going to split carries. Yeah, they'll split carries. Because Brees Hall looks like he's way, like back yeah. healthy. I think Dalvin, healthy. I think they'll probably lean a little bit more heavily on Dalvin early in the season, and then you, Brees Hall's too good to keep up the field. Dalvin's a really good running back. Probably Brees, one of the best one-two punches in the NFL, right? Yeah, probably the, the I mean, best. That's two like, it, Pro Bowl caliber players on the same yeah. in the same backfield. Yeah. Um, Ezekiel Elliott signed with the New England Patriots. I mean, the only thing I can say about that, Ramondre Stevenson and him are pretty big. Yeah. If you're a defense going against them, bring your bring your hard hat. They just needed somebody to take a little you bit better, of the pressure. You better bring a hard hat mentality yeah. to tackle those guys for four quarters. Yeah, they needed to take a little bit of the pressure off of Ramondre because he was all they had. Uh, I think it's up to $6 million with incentives, yep. like $3 million base or something like that, so not much. I've um, said, if you, if, you, if, you, if he needs to give you three yards, he's going to get you he's three gonna yards. He's going to get you that. If yep. he needs... To give short, you four yards, he's going to give you three yards. Yeah. That's, that's, short, that's what it does for you. Short yardage goal lineback. Scored, still scored 12 touchdowns last year. Um, also, of big news, the other running back that has been making headlines. Running backs have dominated the headlines all offseason. What? Trey Lasley ain't shit. <laughs> he <laughs> just sprayed the fart spray behind us. Did he? Yeah, I smell it. He is he is a piece of garbage. <laughs> Trey, you, you hear me back there, but keep going. I'll push through it. I'm a pro. It hasn't made its way over here, so I, I have no idea. I'm glad it hasn't made its way over here. <laughs> Keep it going. Oh, it made its way. Were you it, going? Yeah, it, you it smell it out. Yeah, yeah. He's weak. He's that is weak. that is not a good smell. That is awful. I've never smelled that before. That is, but it is miserable. Bad. But what were you saying, Josh Jacobs? Was yeah, that Josh where you're Jacobs. Going with this? Yeah. <laughs> I thought face. I was a pro until this fart spray came around. Oh my! I feel like god. I can taste it. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> it's oh. oh. All right, we're going to we're gonna have to wrap this up. But no, Josh Jacobs is going to return to the Raiders, and he'll, uh, before <laughs> week one against the Broncos, he'll be in the backfield, it sounds uh, like. Trey, 
You suck. That <laughs> You're is the so... worst. You're the worst. Oh, uh, I, mean, I feel like I'm about to throw up for that real. That is wrong as hell. Smells don't bother me, but that is straight up cheeks. And it's why is it staying? It's just it's sticking. A, here. I can taste. It. Okay. Thank All you, right, guys. Thank yeah, you, guys, Josh for Jacobs, joining us. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're gonna get out of here. That's <laughs> yeah, that's. I hope I hope this smell does not go away while Trey and TJ do their show, a hole. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you guys for joining <laughs> us this week. Oh, he's, uh, it's poopery. Okay, toss me that. Toss me that. Uh, would our would our viewers be offended if we hit that up the nose? Um, okay, it's good poopery. Good. It's just mixing with okay, okay. Thank I'm you guys. Trying. Thank you guys for joining us. If you are watching <laughs> on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment. If you're listening wherever you get your podcast, you can also subscribe and get notifications there as well. We appreciate you guys for joining us, and we will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.